When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi. gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm your host, Mark, and welcome back for episode 38 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the Jordan Caron edition. Whether you're a continued supporter or a new listener of the show, we ask that you please give us a comment and rating on iTunes or any podcatcher you currently use. Now time to welcome in the Christmas co-host, Mr. Rob Tomlin. Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you? I am good, buddy. Uh, um, how are you, anyway? I'm good. I had a great day yesterday. Uh, I got a lot of really cool gifts. Uh, you know, as, as I get older, I, I accrue more clothes and... and, and smelly stuff that I need to go through oh, my yeah. day. So, yeah, it's been awesome. That's good stuff, buddy. How about you? Did you get anything uh, good? Yeah, I got a lot of little things this year. I mean, money's a bit tight, so me and the family kind of just get each other little things every year. So it's been a good day, though. Good time spent with the family. It's always good. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can understand that about money. Um wasn't the you know it wasn't a great Christmas with with a lot of gifts, but uh, the one big gift that my wife got me was um, Bruins tickets. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Courtney. I love you so much. I appreciate it. Um, but this this is how cool she is, and this is how she knows hockey too. Is that she is gonna buy them? She did not buy them yet. So. Yeah. So she's like, I want you to do me a favor and look at the schedule and figure out a game that the Bruins can actually beat somebody at home. <laughs> now, isn't that smart? See, if I was you, I'd be picking Montreal Canadiens at home. Well, we're, we're kind of looking at a game that's going to be on the weekends because she works in the hospital uh, yeah. right, right here in Massachusetts, and her hours are kind of kind of weird. So we're going to look at right. some some uh Saturday games where we can go take the train and go in and have a drink or two and then uh oh, yeah, take the definitely. train back and then and I'll probably hit a bar on the way home but uh yeah I'm excited I can't wait to go it'll be my first one this year so that's awesome yeah looking That'll forward to it and she promised me she'd buy me loge tickets so right down near the action so ooh even better even better yeah. no balcony crap I'm not a balcony person 
yeah. and I know a lot of people do like sitting up in the balcony because the atmosphere and they're all they are they're all crazy up there I guarantee you know that's where most of the noise comes from but I like getting down yeah. near the action the headache rolls yeah you, know, you just leave <laughs> and you got the biggest migraine you've ever had <laughs> yeah I get <you>. right <laughs> well um I, I, I we hope everybody had a great holiday and uh it, it's it's tough to go into this the beginning of the show with with the product that was on the ice last week um i know i'm not thrilled uh, the you 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 beat an la kings team you shut them out that's that's a good team that's a good oh, western yeah. team and then you play the islanders on tuesday night and I believe they went up two to nothing, and then kind of got a little comfortable. Yeah, and then just... and and it's an Islanders team that came into the game losing five straight. You're right, that makes it even worse. Yeah, with not really with Thomas Grice in net, who's not a starting goaltender. I think he's more of a a backup guy. I know they're they're having problems with Halak and all that stuff, but. Still, when you see Thomas Grice, you don't think he's not that Jonathan Quick type player. He's not like a a great goaltender. So, I mean, you go into it, it they've lost five straight. I, I thought that was a sure win, to be honest. Right. And uh, see, seeing the product at the beginning of the game was good. They they seemed to get out of the gate really quick, start playing some good hockey early on, and then. They do the usual. They start to sit back. They start to play the trap a bit. They start to play Julian's system. Is is really what happened? Trying to uh, play a defensive game, and they just get caught, and then they start to panic. As soon as one goal goes in, and you've only got a two two one lead, you start to panic, and that's what happened. So it's ne- it's never good. But uh, they started off with two quick goals, and uh, the Bruins tried to play a defensive game started to panic you could see it in them that they were panicking uh but all in all that game really just showed off the flaws in the Bruins system i mean the penalty kill with the Anders league goal where hudobin saved the rebound after coming in in relief of rask which is a big say like a big point in the game where they had to pull rask for probably the first time this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anders Lee tips the puck. It goes in and out of Hudobin's glove and behind him. And there's no defenseman in front with Anders Lee to stop him getting the getting his own rebound. He had time to go around Hudobin, find the puck, and put it in the net. So it's not really something you want happening. It, all in all, it really wasn't a good game. No, I, I have to agree, and I believe the downfall started on the on the collision between and the miscommunication between um, Marshan and Rask. Oh yeah, uh, they go up two to nothing, and then you know Rask stops the puck behind the net and tries to set it up for a player that's coming around to pick it up, but yeah. Marshan goes to the net and not like more towards the boards. And they, yeah. they collide, and, and I'm not sure who was there because my NHL.com um, website sucks right that, now. So. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that was Anders Lee's Cause he got Yeah, he got two goals yeah. that game. Yeah, because so, he took the puck and just wrapped it around before Rask could get there. Right. So and that, that, that is on, to me, that's on Marshan because... I agree. I Rask agree. didn't have his head up. He was playing the puck. Exactly. He was setting and it then, up for the player to come around the net. Yeah. And as he turned around, I think he thought the D-man who was wide on the boards was going to come and pick it up. Mm-hmm. And as he as he turns his head, that's when Marshan cuts to the inside. And I think Marshan's thinking, speedy breakout. But it just there was just a collision. There's nothing they could do. It's one of them where it's just it's a spur of the moment yeah, thing, and so it kind of caught them. So yeah. you you can't really blame anyone on the play, but I mean. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pin it on anyone really. I think it was just a just some bad luck. But to, to you know, that, to me, in my opinion, watching the game, that was the really the pinpoint that that started the downfall, yeah. and and the goal that that Rask gave up on, I believe, it was a wide shot. 
it went to hit the boards and yeah. came back and he kind of, he just didn't cover very well and there was a really bad rebound. You know, that's that's on him. That one is on him. I got to give, you know, that, but yeah. He didn't look good that game well, he, and he, you know, as much as we are usually, as much as we are rask apologists and so on, you know, we 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 big supporters. When he's not playing well, you're going to hear it from us. Yeah, cuz he he didn't look like he was paying attention cuz usually when the pucks behind the net or to the side of the net he sticks his pad again like he sticks the knee of his pad against the post yep. so there's no gap whatsoever because a lot of goalies when they stick the toe of the pad there's there's wiggle room there for the puck to slip through yep so rascal stick his knee to the post and cover the post very well but on that play he didn't at all he kind of stood to the center of his net and when he saw the puck come in just like stuck out his leg but that that was a really bad play by him and yeah. I'd expect someone like Hood Auburn to do a lot better in a situation like that never mind about Rask so right. yeah he definitely didn't do well there so that was a, a 4-2 home loss to the Islanders and the, yeah. they continue to struggle at home um, they are currently I have a list of notes they are 8, 9, and O at home. Continue to struggle. Yeah. And they're 10, 5, and 4 it's on the road. Good. So speaking of the road yeah. record, they, they go on to Florida and to the, play the Panthers. Um, another, you know, must need two points against teams that are, yeah. you know, lower in the standings. And I thought they played well. I thought they played really well. With um, uh, was that the game that Austin Zarnick got his first goal? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like I said, uh, not not his first goal of the season. I oh, think it was. Yeah, I think it's his fourth. I think I'm not sure, but I really, um, I really wish this website was working. It's really pissing me off. Yeah, well, uh, I know that game was definitely kind of an exclamation part, uh, point by Rask. Because yes. he played outstanding in that game. Yes, that was a bounce-back game for sure. Yep. Um, but we won't get on to the rascal of... Um, <laughs> the, it, it was a good all-round team game, to be honest. Anton Bleed was the player who got his first goal. That's that what game. it was. Yeah, off the skate of one of the defensemen in front. But yep. Jimmy Hayes doing a great job of going to the front and tying the guy up. The, the, uh, the puck actually went off. So that, that fourth line... Their possession numbers are ridiculous. Oh, since since Jimmy Hayes and Anton Bleed have gone onto that line. Speaking of that, um, I I got to go on. T- I was on Twitter the other day and I took a snapshot of this tweet. It was from uh, our friends at the Stanley Cup of Chowder, a great website. Yeah. Go check them out. Oh yeah. Uh, but it said the Bruins' fourth line has been a possession monster last couple of games. Last yep. night went one, two, and three on the team. Five versus five. More, 84%. Hayes, 82%. Bleed, 73%. That is just crazy. It is. Those are really good numbers. Line. Yeah. And thanks again and to the uh, Stanley Cup of Chowder for that uh, tidbit because um, yeah. I'm not into the whole fancy stats, but when I see it, and I got to mention it. So, yeah, and you. for all those people asking to bring in uh, a guy like Gregory Campbell for the fourth line, <laughs> his possession numbers have been nowhere near Anton Bleed's the, the entire season. Yeah, I know he's played more games, and I know he's on a different team and blah, 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 but to say Anton Bleed has come up without any NHL experience... He's played a really good game for how young he is and for what they're asking him to be. And I, I honestly think this is the kind of player they were trying to trade for when they went and got Zach Ronaldo. Yep. This is a guy who's going to go in, he's going to dominate physical play, no matter what kind of player he's up against, he'll dominate physical play on the boards, he'll dig pucks out, he'll do all the rough stuff but he won't cross the line to the point where he's getting suspensions and doing stupid things and getting penalties. And I honestly think Anton Bleed is up to stay 
until a kind of emergency recall to Providence because the well we still got John Michael Lyles to come back so you're going to have to find a roster spot for him and I'm thinking it's going to be Anton Bleed who goes back down well, that's too bad but for now until uh, John Michael Lyles comes back I do think that fourth line is going to be a, a very good all around threat against other teams because they're doing such a good job at the moment of shutting down like higher lines they've been shutting down like second and third lines against other teams and they're dominating possession numbers in the offensive end so it's good yeah but what was not good was the effort the next night on Friday night against the Carolina Hurricanes uh, Bruins yep. they blow another two point another two points and a loss to a team that's not in it so uh, that was a tough game um Anton Hudobin seems to be the guy that goes on the second half, second game of a of a of a back to back. So I, yep. I hate to say this, but it just looks like when those situations happen, it's not going to be a good one. No, but at the same time, that was the right game to play him because a it's his old team, which he's got a bit of hate for, so yep. he might play a bit better. Um, and secondly. You put Rask against Florida because Florida are quite a good team. Mm-hmm. So, and a young offensive team as well. So, and we definitely needed Rask in that Florida game because if Hudobin had been in there, I think it'd have been a lot different. So, I, I don't mind the lot. Well, the OT loss and getting one point, but at the same time, being up to nothing. And then them coming back like that was pretty bad. But at the same time, both, not both end goals, but especially the uh, Justin Folk goal was not Hudobin's fault, I don't think. Did you see the, um, did you see how they set it out after the goal? And they were basically saying Ryan Spooner should have been out to that point, man. Yeah. Like straight off the draw. Right. And he decided to tie up the winger when the puck had already been won back. So that that's just one defensive mistake that's cost you. But at the same time, I wouldn't totally go all out and attack Ryan Spooner for making one mistake in a game. So it's just one of them things. It, it led to a goal. You've got a, a young, really good defenseman, especially offensive, who got the puck. I mean, I'd blame Hudobin during the... Uh, well, I'd partially blame him during the breakaway to Jordan Stoll where he was nowhere near where he should have been out of the net. Mm-hmm. He was... He looked like Henrik Lundqvist. He was basically <laughs> on his line waiting for him on the breakaway. So that that's not how you should play a breakaway as a goalie. You should cut down the angle, be more aggressive. But it's just one of them things. He gets beaten by another... It, it seems he gets beaten by just shots. It's not... He doesn't get beaten by a lot of rebounds. He doesn't get beaten by scrappy goals. Right. It seems a lot of it is his angles. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Yeah, he, so. he, it, it seems to me that he's really exposing... Uh, critical areas of that net yeah. when when a, when a player is further away opposed to being real close yeah it, it seems to me like you know how when when the player's out of the zone as a goalie you go back to the center of the net you center yourself so you know your angles you stick yourself right in the middle of the net and then when the player comes back in then you cut your angle so you know where you are Whereas it doesn't seem like Hudobin's doing that. It seems like he's standing there waiting for the play, kind of a bit off-centre, and then he goes out to cut the angle, and he's maybe an inch to the wrong side of the player. So he leaves that just open bit above the blocker or above the glove, and it's costing us. It really is. Yeah. Especially with the uh, Lindholm's OT goal in that game. 
which was a seemed like a really easy shot to stop. Kind of like just a stutter step around the D man, and he just let it go in it top corner. So not good. Well, after after those games last week, the uh, the Bruins have played thirty six games. <coughs> Uh, the 18, 14, and 4 with 40 points. Uh, the 6 points behind Atlanta Division leading Montreal. And 10 points behind surprising Eastern Conference leading Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, oh, yeah. Very interesting. And I want to talk to you about something about Columbus uh, later on in the show. But uh, yeah. again, the home record's not good. The road record is good. Uh, they're 3, 4, and 3 in the last 10. Uh, and. Looking ahead to to next week's games, you got Columbus on Tuesday night. You got Buffalo on Thursday night, and then you play Buffalo at home. The Columbus and yeah. Buffalo games are on the road, and the and the Saturday's Buffalo game at one o'clock is at home. Those are, I mean, the Columbus game is going to be tough. Those guys are on fire. I, yeah. I, I I thought I looked at my research. I think they're on ten games in a row. That's that their yeah. winning streak? Yeah, yeah. So it is. I mean, it, it, you might have a tough one on that on that game, but you you got to come to the end of the week with the with the two Buffalo games, and you got to get four points out of there. There's absolutely no excuse. Yeah, but at the same time, that's a scary team. Yeah, because the way you, you got Ryan O'Reilly, who's been playing great all season, you got Kyle Pozo, who's looking a lot more at home after. Leaving New York yeah, he's and going to well. Buffalo, he seems to be becoming his own player and just playing how he wants to play. Right, and not what uh, not what Jack Capuano wants him to do. Yeah, and he looks a, a lot better for it. And then you've got Jack Eichel, who was out most of the season, who's come back with a tear, yeah. and he's just killing it at the moment. He's putting every opportunity he can on net. He looks like Vetrano did last season, where he was just shooting the puck nonstop. So, I mean, it's a dangerous team to play against. But at the same time, you need four points out of that because you need to stay in the playoff picture. If you're hoping to be this playoff team that they're talking about, you've got to win those games. So uh, it, it's going to be a tough week, I think, a really tough week. Well, the the team right, the Bruins team right now, they, they if you look at the car – the conference standings and the Atlantic and the in the wild card standings, they, they they're in it right now. So if they continue if they continue to play like this, um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's still early. I don't. But you know, like we always say in previous podcasts, that you know these points in the early season are as important as the ones at the end of the season. So yeah. Um, I just hope something something turns around. We really need this. I, I'm just tired of not being in the playoffs, and I can't go a third year. I'll go absolutely crazy. Yep. This is, to me, this is the the killer year. You either become a seller, and you sell off guys that aren't working for us, or you become you you be a buyer and you go for it now. Right. <clears throat> and the question is. On both of them sides, you're really going to struggle because the guys who hold value on the team are either young talent that need to be part of the rebuild, or the veteran guys with no movement clauses. Right. So, what do you tell the fans? You either sell the youth and become a villain like you have in the past, or you do nothing and you become a villain because you've done nothing. So it's hard work for them to choose which side of the coin to go on. But at the same time, how do you buy without selling the youth? Yeah, and then you got to think about the value on the current team too and, and what's everything's going on. I mean, you can't just dangle Jimmy Hayes out there and expect anybody to bite. Yeah, because it, it's not going to work out. I mean, I don't even see a playoff team going for a guy like Jimmy Hayes. Not even to be, well... Maybe with his possession numbers recently, he could be valuable on a fourth-line role. But at the same time, he's not. has he got another year on his contract? Uh, yes. Yeah, so 
how do you explain to a team that they can take a 2.4 million cap it for two years as a viable fourth line guy, especially if you're a playoff contender? Well, so it's an interesting question, and there's a lot of things that have to be done over the summer. Um, yep. You know, what are you going to do with Pudobin? He's under contract for another year as well. And yep. The expansion draft. There's a lot of scenarios that are going around this team to get players off the lineup that aren't producing properly. Now, well, if Jimmy Hayes, if if the Bruins, I don't know why they would want to keep him, but if they yeah. if they if a buyout option was available, his buyout would be one point two million, and that's it. And it doesn't go against the cap next year. Yeah, but at the same time, would you not want to? Would you not prefer to use your buyout option? I know you can. I, I think you can buy out. Is it two players? I believe so. Uh, we've got one on the books for this year, haven't we? With Seidenberg. Yep. Is that just this year, or is it two years? No, I. Because I think he had three years left on his deal. Yeah. Or so, two years, maybe. Yeah, he's got. So. Yeah, his. So, all right, so that means that the Bruins have one buyout then. Yeah, and to me, you, you'd buy out Hudobin before you buy out his. Because his is actually doing something. Yeah. That I makes mean, a lot of Hude sense. Hudobin's shown us nothing so far. That makes so a... I'd buy I To me, I'd buy out Hudobin. I'd give McIntyre the backup job yep, for I a year. Just going to say that. And then let Vladar play in the AHL. And just either trade Subban at the draft, or uh, at the deadline, sorry trade his rights at the draft or just let him go don't re I, I wouldn't resign this guy i really wouldn't i don't think he'd resign if, if he resigns the only option he's gonna have is is ahl providence and i can almost guarantee the way he is as a player and personality he will not return yeah. he will refuse to sign which, yeah, but, which, which means that they'll have him until the september range where he becomes yeah. a free agent because he's he's restricted. Yeah. But at the same time, like to fans saying, "Don't trade it. Uh, don't don't let him walk. He holds value." Because I've seen this in a few tweets around. Don't let Subban walk. He holds value. He can't hold value because no one did have traded him by now if he held value. Right. If he held value, there'd be a different prospect on the team, and Subban would have been gone in an instant because he's he's not doing anything he's just taking up ice time for providence yep and with a guy like vladar who's eligible to go to providence i'm sure they'd love to like fill out that spot and give him some more time as a prospect who looks a lot better on the depth chart than suban does so i mean it's a difficult thing to do and i know people hate letting first and second round draft picks walk but at the same time, I just I don't see the point in having this guy on the team and having people talk about him all the time, saying why don't you put him as part of a trade package? Because to me, it's it's nothing, and I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of teams don't sign him. Yeah, that's I, a good I could point. maybe see like like a a team like Vancouver might want to take a chance on him. Like someone who's not got a lot of um, like prospects in the pipeline for goaltending, but at the same time, I wouldn't expect a team who's in playoff picture right now to pick him up and give him a backup job. I don't think it'd happen. Yeah, the um, when you think about goaltending in the, in the future, um, there's one there's one goalie that I've been keeping my eye on. And he plays for um, Boston University, and his, yep. his name is. Uh, <laughs> this is good. I hack. I hack names really bad, but uh, his name is Jake, or it's O E T T I N G E R, and I cannot say his last name, but he's uh, he's playing for Boston University. I, he's a freshman, and he's got 15 games under his belt. He's got a 1.87 goals against the average, a .932 save percentage. 
Uh, he's doing really, really good. Is it Ortinger? Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, you're really good at this. I, I thought that's who you meant. Yeah, he, he does actually look like a, a really good guy to pick up. And I mean, the only problem is I don't want to see them waste a first-round pick on a goaltender. I don't I know, know. I know it sounds bad, yeah. but I don't, I don't like first-round draft pick goaltenders because you can get the goaltender later on in the draft. Yeah. And a lot of the time, they turn out to be better than the the guys who are picked high. <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't take a first-round pick on a goaltender either. But if this kid's available, yeah. just for the fact yeah. is that Boston University is so close for for um, oh, yeah. for scouting purposes, you know, I, I think it's I think it's important. I mean, just like we're doing with Charlie McAvoy right now, so and, yeah, and, and you've got other guys on the team that are Bruins prospects, right? To get gain some chemistry later on down the line, sure. So. And this kid, this kid is uh, projected to be a starter in the in this year's uh, World Junior Championships that we're going to talk about soon. But yeah, let's. Let, I'm done with the NHL Bruins. That just disappointed me yep. this week, and I hope I really hope they turn it around. Because I know we're on the fence right now of that playoff spot. You know, they're, 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 yeah. they're involved. They're there. But it's these games against Carolina and the Islanders that can always bring you back down to reality. And Yeah, playing down to teams that I hate it. aren't in our level of competition. Oh, yeah. they've done it for years. But anyway. But beating guys like LA and stuff. I know. Just, just before and then... Oh, it, it always looks like that. You see that game and you go, oh my God, we could actually make a push in the playoffs. Like, we can beat playoff teams. Yeah. And then you play against, like, the last place teams in the league. And we get we get annihilated. Well, yeah. not annihilated, but a lot of the times we have, a, like, two-goal lead and then we let it slip. And then you think, how the hell are we going to survive in the playoffs? It's just crazy. It is. I agree. Get on to some Providence Bruins talk. Yeah, yeah, Providence Bruins. They played one game last week. Uh, it was a Wednesday night, <clears throat> and they played at uh, the Utica Memorial Auditorium, and they walked away with a three-to-one victory. Uh, the goals in the first period. The first period went really fast, and it, like the Bruins just took over. Um, at 319, Matt Grizzlick, defenseman Matt Grizzlick, gets his second goal from uh, Sean Curlihay and A.J. White. And the second period at 746, Providence, Jake DeBrusque gets his sixth goal from Kevin Porter and Colby Cave. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. And was that the breakaway goal that you shared a link to? It was. Well, the par- partial breakaway. Yep. Yeah, that was yep. quite a nice goal. Did you see that Showing top some shelf skill there? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and to get a top shelf shot off while you're getting <clears throat> hacked from behind and tugged and pulled, I thought and it, that close in. It yeah, was exactly. Pretty close to his pad, so yeah, and nice the, show of skill there. And the other one, speaking of show of skill, which was surprising, I'm I'm not sure if I sh- shared this with you, but. Uh, the at twelve eleven of the first period, Providence defenseman Rob Ogara just had a penalty. Time expires. He gets out, gets a pass up, and just goes in and rips a freaking shot right by the goalie. Uh, it was an it was amazing for a big guy to move like that. I was I was astonished. I really was. Uh, well, we saw a bit of that when he was with the Bruins, that yep. he has some speed and some hands on him for a guy who's meant to be a shutdown defenseman. Sure does. So so he got that, his, he got his he, first he goal of the year good. from Curley and Cross. Sorry to cut you off, bud. Oh, it's all right. Um, also, Curley's putting up some good points recently. Yeah, he's doing the little things. Numbers. He is. He's put, yeah. he's, his point production is getting a lot better, but he's also doing a lot of the other things that um, it's very important for a development player to um, to get a grip of, even though you, you know you're pretty much going up and down 
from the NHL to the AHL level in the early part of the season. Yeah. And it, it's one of them things where I always say, if it's a younger player, like, like Jake Dubrusk, who's just come from juniors to this level, it's not about putting up points. It's about learning to do the little things right so the points come later on. Yep. Like, all the best players in the in the NHL right now did all the little things right when they were in juniors and when they were in, like, the AHL. And that's what makes them a good player now is because they learn all the little bits. Yeah, he's, he's, he's playing a very good game. I, like, I watch most of the games, but... Uh... Yeah. He does all the little things. I mean, he's, he's such a hard worker. He's got speed. He's got a great shot, good release, great vision. Um, and he can be that pest if you need it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the Providence Bruins outshot the Utica Comets 36-26 uh, to 26 on Wednesday night. And goalie Zane McIntyre gets another win. Uh, he stopped 35 or 36 shots for his eighth victory. And he is currently on a six-game winning streak. That is crazy. It is, and it and it's he's he's playing so well. He's really yeah. showing how athletic athletic his, his oh my god words are hard. He's really showing how his athleticism can really yeah. be a huge part of his game. Um, I was mentioning to somebody else a couple of days ago that. He comes out and he's really aggressive, but has the time to get back when needed. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's got signs. great vision as well. Yeah. He always he always seems to be able to track the puck really well off rebounds, and he knows where it's going. Yeah, so definitely playing well. So, uh, with that be with the only one game last week, uh, the Providence Bruins are uh, after twenty nine games played. They're 15, 7, 4, and 3 with 37 points. They're fourth in the Atlanta Division, fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're 8, 3, 2, and 1 at home, 7, 4, 2, and 2 away. And the upcoming week, they play tonight at Times Union Center to play the Albany Devils at 7 p.m. They play again tomorrow night uh, against the Hartford Wolfpack at the XL Center in Hartford, Connecticut at 7 p.m and then have a couple days off and then play Friday night in Wilkes-Barre Scranton to play the Penguins at 7.05 and then play Saturday night in Hershey to play the Bears at 5 p.m. So it's a very, very busy week for this Providence Bruins team and I believe it was because of the fact is that the the holiday and uh, last week. So it's, but it's a good week, good week for people who can't real uh, can't normally catch an AHL game to catch one while the holidays are still here. Uh, they're all on the road. All four games, starting tonight to Saturday, are on the road. Yeah. So if you find a stream, yeah, get yep. watching. Or if you're one of the lucky fans that be <clears throat> listening to us, and you're a Providence Bruins fan in the area, go check it out and show your support. All right, well, that's done and over with. Not not much to talk about prospects this week because there's a lot of lot of teams that, that shut down for the um, the break, holiday break. Yeah. So I, I want to just get, talk a little bit about the, uh, the 2017 World Junior Championships that are currently going on right now. They started today. Uh, both all events are going to be held either at the uh, Air Canada Center in Toronto, Ontario, or the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec. And um, if if people aren't familiar with these tournaments, I mean these are really important stepping stones for uh, young players, um, and a lot of scouts are here, so they're constantly you know checking up on these players, even though that most of them have been drafted in the past year or two. Um, yeah. No matter if you're drafted or not, there's still attention to be paid to you. So, yeah. you know, um, I'll, I just want to read a little bit about what it's all about for the, the listeners that don't really know. But uh, yeah. the 10 teams are divided into two five-team groups <coughs> in the preliminary round. After a single round-robin series in each group, 
the top four teams from each group advance to, to the playoff round while the fifth team in each group moves to the uh, regulation round. Oh, I probably said that wrong. The top four place teams in the preliminary will play a crossover quarterfinal game. 1A versus 4B, 1B versus 4A, 2A versus 3B, and 2B versus 3A. The winner of each preliminary, I'm sorry, the winner of each quarterfinal moves on to the semifinals. The winner of each semifinal game will move on to play the gold medal game, while the losers will play in the bronze medal game. The quarterfinal losers will be ranked 5th to 8th according to 1, their position in Group 2, in the group, 2, their preliminary round record, points, goal difference, and goals scored. Man, I cannot read anything today. They never make it simple, do they? No, nah, not really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, I think it's, it's definitely a good thing to watch, especially if you're wanting to get your eye in on some prospects around the league uh, and some guys that will be available in the draft over the next year. Yeah, and uh, the <coughs> the way the groups are lined up, uh, Group A is Finland, Sweden, Czech Republic, Denmark, and Switzerland. Group B is Russia, the United States, Canada, Slovakia, and Latvia. And the good thing about this whole tournament is the Bruins are really well represented. I was really yeah. surprised by how many of these players, and I'm not saying that they're, they're bad because of talent wise. Um, four defensemen and one goalie made the team made, made teams. Yeah. So, um, Canada, uh, defenseman, Jeremy Lousen, a Czech Republic, uh, goaltender, Dan Vladar, and Jakobs Borrell yeah. and the United States, Ryan Lindgren and defenseman Charlie McAvoy all made the teams. They made their respected teams. So I like that. And that's, yeah, uh, I'm I'm really excited to see McAvoy and Lindgren, and also check out um, Dan Woodard and how he does this tournament as well. Right, especially I, after getting some time in the AHL, which a lot of the junior players haven't seen that level of competition yet. Yep. So that'll be good. US As def- always, one of our favorite defensemen, Jeremy Lawson, makes the team Canada. So yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, just to uh, give an update on all these players so far in this seasons. Uh, defenseman Jeremy Lawson of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League ruined Miranda Huskies. Uh, after 13 games played, he's got two goals, nine assists, 11 points. Defenseman Ryan Lindgren of the NCAA University of Minnesota in 15 games has one goal, two assists, three points, and an astonishing 47 penalty minutes. Yeah, definitely yeah. a shutdown gritty guy. Right. Uh, defense for Charlie McAvoy, NCAA, Boston University. In 17 games played, he has two goals, 11 assists, 13 points. Uh, goaltender Dan Vladar has played in two leagues since joining uh, his first year of professional hockey. Uh, he's played uh, six games in the AHL. He's got a 3-0-2 record with a 2.84 goals against average and a 9-1-4 save percentage. With the East Coast Hockey League, Atlanta Gladiators. He's got three games under his belt, and he's a has a one and one record, a two point nine three goals against, and a point nine oh seven save percentage. And the last one, <coughs> defenseman Jakob Sporo, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Saint John Sea Dogs. Uh, in twenty games played, he's really stepped up his uh, his off, uh, offensive production as a defenseman with yeah. uh, tw- twenty games, six goals, twelve assists. 18 points so the, that's that's those guys in the um, in the world juniors this year just the Bruins prospects and like I said it started today and uh, right now team oh uh, what was the game before 
Sweden, Denmark. Sweden, Denmark, and that ended up, uh, I believe, a six to one final. That is crazy. Sweden just killed them. And yeah, and there's a goal. There's a goaltender in Sweden that is looking really good, and I, I believe eligible for the draft this year Oof. as well. So good guy to watch. Might have to keep an eye on him. Yeah. And currently, right now, the U.S. and Latvia are playing. And I'm watching that game, but so far so good with a one nothing lead in the first. All right, so let's get back to some um, Bruins news. Yeah. Frank Vitrano made his appearance, first appearance of the season on Thursday against the Florida Panthers, and the kid scores a goal. And he had to do it, didn't he? I know, right? When, when I was saying to everyone, calm down, he's <laughs> not the saviour of this team, he's not going to score a goal every game, and yeah. then he comes back first game, snipe. Yeah. Thanks. I, I'm the one that was like, oh, he's not consistent enough, blah, blah, blah. Well, at least I was right, because he didn't score a goal in the in the Carolina game, so well, yeah. that was everybody's back down to earth. But no, it's good to have him back. Yeah, but does. what I wanted to talk about with you was, was <clears throat> the, 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 the return of him and Pasternak really... Brought, the team. Yeah, it, it was yeah. amazing to see. You saw you saw some really good things with these two, and it just flowed right down the the, the bench. And I honestly think Pasternak is probably one of the best guys to have in the locker room right now, because everyone always talks about how he's always smiling, he always enjoys himself, he's always having fun, and if that rubs off on the rest of the team, that's a good thing, because even when they lose. They're not gonna. If they've got a guy like that who's always smiling, always having fun, you, it doesn't bring the team down. You don't want that guy who, when they lose, flips his lid and doesn't want anything to do and just wants to go home. Blah blah blah. Right. That's not gonna help your team out. With, I, it, with a guy who's gonna help you out is the guy who's always smiling, and that's definitely David Pasternak. What I like about him and what he's doing is is he's he's a younger <laughs> player, so. These these types of things that are happening with him and a player like Frank Petrano are good things because these are the younger guys that are going to be are going to be the leaders of this team sooner or later. Maybe yeah. the voices in the locker room in the future, and this is really yeah. good. I like the way this is happening. It's not happening when expiring contracts are very close, like Chara and and others. It's happening while they're still under contract, so they can pass down. You know certain attributes of what a professional player has to be, and and one that speaks his mind about the team, and you know, yeah. So it's good stuff. Um, and I think the good thing is you've got you got those connecting players with with each guy. Like Vitrano gets on very well with Nolachari and Ryan Spooner. Yep. And he's learned a lot from Ryan Spooner coming up to the NHL and learning like what to do and how to like go about his business and everything. Then you've got Krejci and Pasternak, who Pasternak has been a fan of Krejci since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing to have. And then with Brandon Carlo, you've obviously got his father figure on the team, which is Zdeno Chara. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Who's, for some reason, become what looks like a 25-year-old defenseman ever since Carlo's come into the team. It looks like he's shed about 20 years off his life. So, um, I mean, this is it, it's been a good year to see these prospects come up because... I think every year for the past three or four years, every time a prospect's come up, it's kind of been like, oh, he's, he's not going to spend much time here. Mm -hmm. Because you've had that many veterans filling out the team. Whereas now that there's space for these guys, it's kind of like, this is the start of it. Yeah. Like, these guys are going to have a couple of years and then the next group of people come in when, when guys retire or leave the team. So, it's good to see, definitely. All right, so... We, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but you think a forward's going to go down when John Michael Lyles returns? Because they're definitely... Uh, they're de 
if you look at the defensive core, the only person that's that's going to pass through waivers without any problems because he's on an entry level is is Brandon Carlo. And you, I, I know for a fact they're not doing it. And if they do, they <laughs> yeah, that not that's not going to happen. Not a, not as a straight swap for Lyles. Right. Like I, I couldn't. I don't see them doing that because he has one of the div- best defensive numbers on the team for defense. So, I mean, this is why I think there's a forward going down, and this is why I think it's Anton Bleed because everyone else is basically waiver eligible, mm-hmm. and anyone who isn't is guys like Frank Vetrano, who I don't. I think he might be waiver eligible now. Yeah, he is. He's still on the DLC. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'd see it being Anton Bleed. I don't want it to be Anton Bleed. Yeah, that's too bad. I'd rather they kind of... I mean, Shala still with the team. Yep. I, I'm pretty sure he's been sitting games. Shala can't go down because he's waiver eligible, but do you try and trade a guy like that the week before Lyles comes back? Oh. Or do you try and trade an older guy kind of a Riley Nash hmm. I, I don't know because I haven't been seeing a whole lot out of Nash to be honest no, well, in, in my opinion I mean I think the only <coughs> the only thing that I've seen out of him is is face off yeah know, and, I mean and he's really he not does, even that good he does at four that. check he does four check pretty good but at the same time if you got Frank Vetrano back in the lineup, the chances are a guy like Nash is going to sit compared to a guy like Vetrano. I mean, uh, I, I just don't know what you can do to keep a guy like Bleed in the lineup without trading or letting someone get waived. Well, that's interesting. Hopefully something happens soon because... I mean, nobody nobody still knows what's going to happen with John Michael when he returns, or if he's going to return at all this season. Um, yeah. They really should figure it out, so they can at least put his. If he's going to be out for the remainder of the year, let's figure it out now. Put him on LTIR, so you can knock that down and possibly be with his money. I mean, I know it's only. Yeah. I think it's only a million dollars. Yeah. But still, that you could use that as a benefit to. Um, bringing in a guy at the trade deadline, stay under the cap, cap a little bit. But Yeah, but you can, like with a million dollars, if you think about it, with a million dollars, you could bring in a guy like, uh, like a Victor Stolberg type guy mm-hmm. who can put up numbers. I, I mean, he's not putting up numbers at the moment, but he's a guy who's going to shoot for the net. Yep. And he's a guy who's going to create offense. So, Bringing in a guy like that who's only on... I, I'm pretty sure he's only on like a million dollars. Yeah. There are guys out there that are doing it, so... And Stahl, Stahlberg is a real gritty, <clears throat> gritty player. Yeah, and there's there's guys like... um, Who is it that Sam Gagne is playing for? Is it LA? No. Um, Gagne is playing for... Uh... Oh... I can't remember. Oh, I know man. he I scored just... that incredible goal this season. It's not I can't Philadelphia, remember who he's right? playing for. Might be the Wild. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I know Eric Stoll went there, but I'm not sure if it's... Um... Yeah, but a guy like Sam Gagne is a guy who you could bring in if he was part of a team who's not going to make the playoffs. Brings that offensive threat on the wing. I mean, there's possibilities out there to use that million, like million dollar deal, to your advantage. Columbus also, Columbus Blue Jackets. I yeah. knew it. Yeah, yeah, he's going nowhere. <laughs> uh, but but there is there's guys out there that are on two million that you could ask a team to retain half the cap for. Also, so that million dollars can get you quite a bit in this league. Got 26 so, points in 31 games. Yeah, that's what I mean. That guy has turned his career around. 27 years old. And guess where he was playing a few years ago? Where yeah. they said, oh, he's definitely a bust. Edmonton. Edmonton. Didn't he yeah. spend some time in Philadelphia too? Yeah. 
but I, I I believe that he was sent down to the AHL when he was at Philly. Yeah. Yeah, he played <coughs> seven years in yeah. Edmonton, one year in Arizona, one year in Philadelphia, and currently with the Columbus Blue Jackets. But that's what I mean. There's guys out there that that no one thinks of when they think of offensive numbers. They don't they don't think he's going to be a 40-point guy like early on in the season as well. <clears throat> the chances are we can pick someone up like that in free agency. But at the moment, it just seems like the Bruins go after those gritty old guys. I mean, you've got Dominic Moore this year who has been quite an offensive threat and has been quite good. But at the same time, you've gone after a guy like Riley Nash, who the only thing that we've seen him do great is face-offs. Mm-hmm. And even, I, d- I think his numbers have been down quite a bit since last season on face-offs. So you've brought him in for a job that he's not even doing <laughs> to the best of his ability. So there's I... ups and downs of the team. I keep saying this to guys who keep saying you need to trade this for this and you need... It's not NHL 17. You can't make a trade unless the other team wants to make a trade. Just let's play it out. Right. Yeah. And more or less, I think I think <coughs> signings like of Riley Nash were because they weren't too secure on on developmental talent that was going to be a, potentially available for a roster spot in the NHL. It was more yeah. of an insurance policy to say, well, if you're not ready, we have a guy that's ready oh, to yeah. go. At a moment's notice, and 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 has NHL time, so. And I I totally believe that Austin Zarnik wasn't meant to be on this NHL team right now. Yeah. I don't think they expected him to do as well as he has done since coming up. I, me personally, I had high expectations for him after <coughs> a, a stellar AHL career, and and his that, yeah. which was his rookie season, so. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, please bring this kid up. Let's see what he's got. You know, more or less, I was just haunted by the dealings of, you know, I hate bringing it up. I know you hate it too, but Koklachev. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't want that situation to happen with a kid like like, like Zarnik. But <clears throat> I'm happy he's getting his time. And he, and believe it or not, he's doing good. He's got good, he's got really good numbers. They might not be point production numbers, but he's got other numbers in the fancy stat areas of the game that uh, are yeah. proving that he has value. So Yeah, his possession numbers and everything are quite good. He's sh- been shown time on the power play. I mean, <clears throat> that's one thing I wanted to talk about today. Please stop using forwards on the blue line on the power play. Oh, my God. You know what? I, I honest to God think that... They they think that they're the Washington Capitals and they have oh, yeah. Ovechkin on the blue line just just waiting for that one timer all the time. Yeah, and it. I mean, I think it was Austin Zarnick that got caught mishandling the puck against Jordan Stahl against the Hurricanes. I think it was Zarnick. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but it seems like the defenseman on the point, be it Colin Miller or Tory Krug. When they mishandle the puck, 99% of the time, they play the puck in deep to stop any chance of a breakaway happening, and they regroup. But I think the forwards get a bit like, don't worry, I can get it back. And then they don't realise that they're not actually playing down low, they're playing on the point, and there's no one behind them to help them out. Mm -hmm. So I just think we've got, this season especially, we've got those offensive threats on the blue line that can put up points. I mean, give Carlo a bit of time on the power play. Why not? <coughs> give Hell, give Kevin Miller some time on the power play because that guy, for some reason, does amazing things when he breaks into the zone Yeah, for a shutdown guy. He, yeah. he can carry that puck around the zone like it's nothing. Yeah, he's got some wheels. I'll give him that. Yeah. So I, I'd love to see them ga- like give these guys opportunities. I mean, Adam McQuaid, no. Keep that guy on the bench. <laughs> like, Do not put him out there on the power play. I'm not saying that, but a guy like Kevin Miller, give him that opportunity. Because he's, he's not playing as much on the PK now because Brandon Carlos here and he's playing 
alongside uh, Chara quite a bit. Yeah. So give a guy like Kevin Miller that second unit on the power play and let him use his shot because he does, he does have a good shot for setting up offense. I mean, he always hits it low and he hits it hard and there's always a rebound or it comes off the backboards. So give guys like that opportunities. Uh, as we come to the, the end of the show, um, I, I hit on the Columbus Blue Jackets earlier, and, and I've been reading a lot about this team and, and the coach, John Tortorella, which can be a nutcase sometimes, but this year he's really he's really becoming a player's coach. Yeah. And I was wondering if there's anything that the Bruins can could use out of out of what's being seen in Columbus. I mean, a 23-5 and 4 record with 50 points after 32 games is 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 really good and and their their, their home and away record of their home record of 13-3 and 1 and away record of 10-2 and 3 is is just impressive. Yeah. So, here's my question to you. If the Bruins were going to learn anything out of the out of what's going on in Columbus, and from what I'm reading is a lot of the good positive things is because they're not doing morning skates anymore. Yeah. Do you think if the Bruins were to implement a system like that, stop doing morning skates, let the players be a little more human, let them have more family time when when it's available. Obviously, on the road, you're not going to get a lot of family time, but when you're at home, yeah. you know, believe it or not, morning skates only last about an hour and a half, but you're at the rink for about four or five hours. So that creates more family yeah. time and maybe a little more comfortable locker room. What do you think about that? Well, see, to me, not giving them a morning skate is a good idea because the guys who don't have families have the opportunity to train on their own and train to their own agenda. Like, they can do whatever they want. They can work on what they want. They can do it away from the rink so they're not being seen by or told by coaches what they need to do. So you'd probably see guys who play more of a shutdown role, like practicing more offensive skills. You'd see a lot better things out of players. I, I definitely think it's a better idea. I think you'd make players a lot more happy and there'd be a lot less injuries on the team than there have been. Because a lot of them look like niggling injuries that turn into something serious because they're overworked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... I was... I was thinking about that earlier this uh, last week, and I was just, and like, this could be something very good for a lot of teams. I'm not just saying the Bruins can like look into this, but you know, as as a lot of teams transition into becoming, you know, four lines of offensive depth, a thing like this could be very important. You you're rested, yeah. You're happier. You're ready to play at game time, and and you know, energy is is huge. I I I I just talk, I listen to a, a lot of players, or you know, you see the program behind the B once in a while. You see their work regiment. You yeah. know, it's 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 not an easy day, especially on a game day. And a lot of those are optional skates too. You know, but still, and it I, must be tough for a guy like Bergie who's got a young kid not seen as much of his child as a lot of people would. Right. I mean, it, I, I'm sure it would make him a lot ha- happier if he could stay at home yep. and watch his child grow. So, Absolutely. <coughs> Sorry. That's all right. How, how was your injury, by the way? Uh, a hell of a lot better. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Happy I to am hear just, that. After, after resting for a few days and not really doing much, the cold is stuck to me now so i am uh i am full of a cold at the moment but happy that my throat's okay cool so yeah cool we got some exciting news coming up um shortly i'm waiting to hear back from a uh a sports um clothing company that uh might be interested in sponsoring us so uh, hopefully to hear something soon. Um, we might be doing, getting the fans involved with uh, uh, t-shirt giveaways. 
Um, so we got some. I got some ideas that I'm like to get some fans, uh, some fan interaction on the show. Uh, we can't do call-ins at this point uh, yeah. because the fact is that it costs hundreds of dollars for me to to get or for us to get equipment to to create calls and. I trust me. I do not want to give out my personal cell phone number to a oh, ton yeah. of people. So um, that's not going to be a good idea. Yeah, if you want to hate on me, do it on Twitter. Don't do it with personal phone calls. But oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to get the fans more involved, and you know, so there's something in the works. Hopefully, you hear something soon. But um, a lot of good things going to happen for 2017, and hope you all stick along and you know enjoy the ride. But as that being said, I got to go. Um, yep. You can follow me at BlackandGold277. You can follow Rob at Rob40Bruins. Um, thank you again for another another week. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm dead tired after the holidays. Oh, yeah. I think, next week, a, I think next week I think will be a little more better. Yeah. It's definitely a killer weekend when you've got three days of festivities. Yeah. And especially when there's alcohol involved, it's never going to be a healthy one. So I'm actually very surprised that I killed off a whole bottle of Jack Daniels yesterday, and I feel great. Usually, <laughs> that, um, I do not want to do uh, anything. One of your two free hangover free days for yeah, the year, right? <laughs> They're running no, out. I think I think you had your other one on your uh, birthday, so <laughs> I did too. <laughs> yeah. So that that's your two for the year now. So that's it. Thank God, in a week I get a re up. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. for tuning in to the black and gold hockey podcast please join us next week for another discussion of bruins hockey related material